Welcome back to the Epic Nation podcast. This is Elaine, and I am here to introduce this message. You have to tune in so you can find out what does God need to happen in your life in order for him to use you. The message is called, He's Gotta Have It, and you gotta tune in to find out what he's gotta have. Your Bibles. Let's go today scripturally. We're gonna start with Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse number one. Matthew 21, starting at verse number one. Matthew 21, starting at verse number one. Now, you know we, you know what version of the Bible we vibe out with. New Living Translation. New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Matthew chapter 21, verse number one. We're going to read through verse number five because I feel like I got to give you the context so you can respect the content. Okay? Here we go. Here we go. Can everybody see this okay? Everybody good? Y'all talk to me. Can everybody see this pretty good? Okay, here we go. Boom, boom. Y'all give me one second. There we go. As Jesus, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Verse two, go into the village over there. He said, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with his coat beside it. Do me one favor when you get there. This, will just, this is me adding emphasis. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you what you're doing, just say, yo, bro, Jesus need this. Of course, the Bible don't say, yo, bro, but that's me adding ghetto gospel translation. The Bible says the Lord needs. The Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. Verse 4 and 5, let's move. Let's move to verse 4. This took place. To fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king, your king is coming to you. He is humble riding on a donkey and on a donkey's coat. That's prophecy. I want to teach today using as a subject. He's got to have it. He's got to have it. He's got to have it. Now, do me one favor. When you listen to this message, wherever you are, whether you're in California, Cambodia, Costa Rica, whether you're in Dallas, Dominican Republic, whether you're in Panama City or Panama Canal, wherever you're listening to this, I want you to do me a favor. Don't hear this as a sermon. Don't look for construct content. Look for the pieces of what you need. Treat this as if you were going shopping. When you are going shopping, there is something specific you're looking for. So I want you to treat this message as if you're going shopping. Look specifically for something for you that will release heaven's best to say, God, I need this from you. So I'm looking for this in this message. Make this message your grocery store run. Make it your shop. Make it you going shopping. Make it the thing that you are looking for so you can get what you need. It's okay to be selfish in it. It's okay to be selfish. But I, man, that part, if anybody asks you what you're doing, just tell them the Lord has need of it. That thing taught me to stress. Let's get into it. So I've been tripping lately. I've been tripping. I've been exploring in my mind. You know, I was, uh, I went a few, I've been flying a whole lot lately. So I was in New York City for, uh, ep for Epic Hangouts and it was a phenomenal time. And I left from New York, flew three hours back to Miami. As soon as I landed about 15 hours later, I flew to Brazil. And I had about a nine hour, eight and a half, nine hour flight to Brazil, was there a few days, flew back to Miami. So of course, all that idle time where you don't have cell phone signal, it forces you to think. 
And I have a vivid imagination. So when I think, I don't just think scripture. I don't just think these and thou's and thus and though. I don't just think, and will if, will if thou come. I start just thinking of some crazy stuff because I like to use my imagination like a muscle. And the more you, more you utilize it, the stronger it gets. So I was tripping on, and, and you know, I was tripping in my imagination about just a few, you know, a few people. And I was thinking about, um, y'all, y'all might have heard of a young lady named Beyonce. And I was asking the Lord, like, you know, you let her get married, and I thought she was mine, but it's okay. Then I was thinking about Kim Kardashian. I was like, man, you let her get married too, and I thought she was mine. Uh, you know, just a few other people, you know, J-Lo is, is engaged, so who's left? You know, it's like J-Lo, Kim K., and Beyonce off the market. Like, okay. <laughs> but it's seriously, or should I say spiritually, I started I started imagining. And this is the truth. This is a true story. I started imagining. What if, just what if, you know, myself and J-Lo decided to live happily ever after as life should be. And I started asking, if we were together, because now she's in one financial bracket and I'm in a whole nother. You know, our money just on a line. We're not equally yoked financially. And I started asking if we were together, what would she actually need? Let's say Christmas rolled around or Valentine's Day just passed. What do you give someone who has everything? What do you buy somebody who has everything? Financially, it doesn't line up. So if if we were to get together, and I'm in the financial bracket I'm in right now, stay with me. Don't just think I'm joking. You know I'm making a point. If we were to get married or hang out or date, what do you get someone who has everything? Like our money don't align, so what could I creatively purchase or buy somebody who could buy whatever they want? How do you take care of someone in that space? What would be the gift that I give, right? Then I started thinking, hmm, what if the thing that they need is not money, but they need emotional support. Okay, I could, I could do that. I could do that. What if the thing they need is not money, but they want to grow spiritually? Oh, man, your boy got you. I could do that. I could do that. What if they just need somebody to support them and pray? Okay, I could do that. What if they just need someone that can communicate? They want a communicator. Okay, I could do that. And what if they place more value on the communication, on spiritual growth and emotional support than they do on the money? That would mean I would have met their needs, although their needs are different from mine. That maybe I just didn't assess the value. Then I started tripping on that same question. What do you give to someone who has everything already? And it made me think about God. What can you give to God? What, like, what can you give to God who has everything already? What does God need when he has everything already? It can't be equal if we say God needs praise, which is what most spiritual people would say, he has the angels who throughout all generations never cease to say, holy, holy, holy. You go to sleep, you scroll social media, you hang out, you do a bunch of other stuff. So you are not praising all the time. So he cannot need your praise when he's got people that never cease to praise. When we say that God needs, God needs you to lift him up. Okay, uh, he was already lifted up. God didn't need the angels. He created them. God didn't need heaven. He created heaven. He didn't need earth. He created earth. What could God need that he cannot provide for himself? What could he have need of? The same way I was trying to figure out between the J-Lo's and the Beyonce's, it, it seems like an inequity that what is the need? What do you give somebody who has everything? What do you give to God who has everything and anything he doesn't have, he can create. 
Everything I got, God gave to me. Everything I have is his already. What could I give to a God who gave everything to me? All I could do is return to him what he's given to me. There are no surprises. It's as if you gave your kids money to go and walked in the store with them to purchase a gift for you. You bought your own gift. Every gift we give to God, he bought for himself. <laughs> like, what could he need? If I'm going to give him my tithe, he gave me the ability to get wealth. If I'm going to give him worship or praise, if I'm going to teach a message, if I'm going to if I'm going to pray, he gave me the ability to pray. He gave me voice, breath, song. What do you give to God who has everything already? This is man, this is something else. How do I give him something? What is something that I can give to God knowing that he already has everything? I'm tripping. I don't understand what can I give to him? So what does God really want? Are y'all with me on this? What does God really want from me? Like, I, I want to pause parenthetically and give you a joke. I don't know if y'all remember the situation with Tyrese when he was going through his spat on Instagram. You're like, what more do you want from me? Like, God, what more do you want from me? You got everything. And the little I have, you gave me. So what do you give to a God who has everything already? What does he really want? <laughs> I need y'all to flow with me today. What, is, what does God really want? Let's read. Let's read. Here's what I love. When you read Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, I get a chance to, to tap the line. To put it this way, ladies, if y'all are listening, men, if y'all are listening, there's always that person who loves, who don't, who don't quite trust the person and loves to go through their text messages or phone and kind of see what's going on behind the scenes, right? I get a chance to eavesdrop on a conversation between the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, I eavesdropped because I wanted to know, what do you give to somebody who has everything already? So when I start asking that question, I begin to eavesdrop to say, let me see what it is that he ultimately wanted from me. Then God said, who is God talking to? Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, 26. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Oh, that's what you wanted. Okay, and what you want me to do when you make me like you? Let them reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. That was his thought. Let us make man or human beings in our image. That's the thought. Let them be like us. What is like us? Let us have dominion, authority. So God said, okay, I want to make this, I want to make human beings. I want to make something that looks like me, but I'm not, Af I'm not African-American. I'm not 5'11". I'm not a woman. I'm not gender specific. So when he says, let us make them in our image, let them bear the characteristics, the identity. Let them, the thing that you have that looks like God is your spirit, your behavior, the characteristics of God. And then if, if they're going to be like us, they need something to rule over. They need something like they cannot be subservient. They cannot be, they can't be a servant. They can be a servant to us, but not a servant over everything. Okay, so we got to put them over something. Let them ride over the fish in the sea. What else? See, we eavesdropping now on a conversation. Ain't this crazy? We get a chance to see God talking to them. God meeting with God, meeting with heaven. Okay, so do this. Put them over the fish of the sea. Bet. The birds in the sky, bet. The livestock, bet. The wild animals, bet. Everything on the earth, even the small animals, let them be over that. Verse 27, so God created human beings. 26, I see the thought. 27, I see the action. And when he did it, he did it in his own image. 
in the image of God created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Oh my God, are y'all getting this? Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Oh man, so he told me that I could reign over all of it. So here's my question I ask you. What was God's intent? What you give to somebody who has everything already, you give to him what he wanted all along. Why did he even create me? Whatever his intent was for making me, that's what I want to give to him. What God wanted was partnership. Partnership is what he's after. What God was after was a way to expand, to extend heaven into the earth. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion. And what he describes us having dominion or reign over is the earth. It is for him to partner with us that he's going to take care of heaven. We're going to partner with him and take care of the earth. Now, we're in a series right now called Heaven's Best. You got to understand this or you will not be able to operate in Heaven's Best. If he's looking for partnership, what are the agreements of the partnership? If you say, man, me and my partner, my husband and wife, see, he does this, I do this. She does this, I do this. See, I'm, I cook, he cleans. That's a true partnership. What is God taking care of? What are we taking care of? Here's the partnership piece. This is what he's after. What do you give to somebody, to God who has everything already? Partnership. A full partnership where we are in total alignment and agreement. But let's unpack it even more. What's within that partnership? Let's pause right there to make sure y'all rocking with the boy. What's within that partnership? Here we go. You got to understand then. In that partnership, I want you to know that God has bound himself to his word. What do I mean by this? He's bound himself to his word. Here's the crazy part. He's bound himself to his word that man has dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, everything that creeps upon the ground. Like he's bound himself to a word that man, you got the earth. I got the heaven. I'm not going to intervene. I'm going to give you that. He's back. I told last week we talked. I, I, we talk, I swear to God, and we Numbers 23 and 19, we said, God is not a man that he should lie. So if God has already said that man has dominion over the earth, God is not going to break his word and begin to intervene in the affairs of the earth. The only way that God intervenes in the earth is through the partnership he has with man. God is spirit. He's made you in his image by giving you his spirit. So the way that he interacts within the earth is to communicate to your spirit. Back that thing up, Marcus, like juvenile for the 99-2000 because you lost somebody. God is spirit. He is not 59565061. He does not he does not have long hair, short hair. He's not Asian. He's not Latino. He's not African American. God is spirit. So the thing about you that makes you like God is your spirit. So God has bound himself to a word that he is not intervening in the earth. Heaven's best he has for you, but the only way for heaven's best to enter into the earth is for the partnership which he wanted all along. The way he's going to expand heaven into earth is through the partnership he has with you by communicating with your spirit. You have intimacy with God through your spirit. God, y'all tell me if y'all are getting this. I'm trying to teach this thing the best way I know how, but I got to make sure y'all are getting this. I got to make sure that you're getting this, that, that I'm not moving too fast, that I'm not moving too slow. Are y'all getting this? 
uh, is everybody getting this? You have intimacy with God through your spirit. Through your spirit is how he communicates. Okay, Marcus, make it make even more sense. Because somebody like, okay, I need, I need practicality. Okay, let me give you practical. Let me give you practical. If I am trying to communicate with you, I live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I would need one. I would need a few different things. I would either need your phone number so I could text you, your email so I can email you, or at least your Instagram or your Facebook so I can send you a DM. All of those are channels of communication. God's number one channel of communication to you is your spirit. It is the phone number. It is the phone number that you, that He reaches you, and the phone number that you can reach Him by. Prayer is done through your spirit. Prayer is done with now I dial the number of God through the means of my spirit that I can type in the number and get on the line with him anytime I want through my spirit. I could think it. I could say it. it my means of communication with God is through my spirit. I feel like teaching. I'm sorry. Wednesday night, don't miss it because all this stuff that you hear me laying down, this is just foundation today. I'm going to lay down foundation and I love this because I'm going to be on this series who knows how long. Might be all year long. We might we might stay on one series from March all the way to December until you get heaven's best. Because you got to get this. How do, so the means of communication with God from his spirit to your spirit, that is the channel. That is the way in which he communicates. Now back it up. He's bound himself to his word. So the So through that partnership, of his spirit and your spirit is how he is going to now enter into the earth. It is illegal for any spirit to be in the earth without a body. So Jesus wouldn't even come into the earth until God found a body or womb, Mary, and a body, that of Jesus, Christ, that it is bound by it. Even the demons, you must remember when it was, suffer us not to leave the region. When they were in the gatherings, they were looking for a body. So there must be a body in the earth for God to fulfill his word. Now, this is what I'm saying about partnership. I don't want to overteach. I don't want to overteach. But you've got to understand this. You've got to understand this. Who is God? Who is God? Who is God? Like, this sounds like such a broad question. This sounds like such, such a question that, should, that we shouldn't even be asking. But I believe we should. Because I think that we know so much about so many things, but we know so little about, the, about God. Then we hear sermons about faith. We hear sermons about blessings. We hear sermons about prayer. We hear sermons about functions within, within that helps us in our life. But we don't hear enough about God. Number one thing I want you to get. Here, get this. Get this. I want you to get the integrity of God. Here we go. Here we go. Write this down. Here's where you write notes. Three things I want you to understand. Three things I want you to understand. Here we go. Boom. What he thinks, what he, what he says, and what he does are all interconnected. When we talk about God being holy, we're talking about integrity. What he thinks, what he says, and what he does are all in alignment. God does not think one thing, say another thing, do another thing. When you are trying to walk in the holiness of God, when you are trying to come into true partnership with your spirit now being pure. Let, let me use a different word for holiness. Let's just say clean. Now, you remember back in the day that you would wash, that you would wash dishes. I don't know how y'all parents raised you, but you would wash dishes and instead of drying them, you would be a little lazy and you would just take the dishes and leave them in the sink and say they're going to air dry. Your mama would say, ah, 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 get, get a towel and dry them dishes and put them up, <laughs> right? Now, it ain't completely clean until you dry them off and put them things away. 
when you're talking about holiness, when you're talking about alignment with God and relationship with God, we are saying that the whole task got to be complete. It is not just in what I think. That's like to the example. It ain't just in washing the dishes. It's not just in what I say. It's not just in putting in just drying them, but it's also in putting them up. All three of these things must align itself. I've got to think that my thinking, what I think, what I say and what I do, when they all come into alignment, I'm integrated. I'm in alignment. This is what God is. God thinks the same thing. He says the same thing and does the same thing. They are all connected. Because there is no variables within all three, he is integrated in himself, making him holy. The way that he makes you holy is to move you to a place that what that you begin to think on these things, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So he said, let the, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he starts with your mind, and from your mind, he begins to say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. So he starts with your mind, then then moves into your words and then moves into your actions. God deals with you one at a time to finally get you in alignment so you can be like him. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. The way that you like him. Now, be honest. How many of us sometimes all three don't align? Sometimes what I say and what I do don't align with what I think that I say, I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field, but I don't think I'm blessed. I don't think like a blessed person. I think in scarcity. When we come into alignment, into heaven's best, there has to be the alignment of my thoughts, of my words, and what I do. Here's a funny part. Here's a funny part. I always make the joke, but I'm also serious, and talk about when I have my sons. I don't have any kids, so I say, hey, when I have my sons, people say, what if you have a girl? I don't explore that thought because that is not the result of what I want. I want two sons, right? So I don't entertain a whatever. Now, God gives me a daughter. I'm going to love her. I'm going to be a blessing to her. But I don't entertain any thought that I do not want because my thoughts and my words are in alignment. So if I'm already saying that I want boys, why would I entertain the thought of anything else? If somebody said, well, what what do you think would happen if you lost everything? I don't think nothing because I don't entertain a thought that I'm not believing for. What do you think would happen if your relationship ended? I I don't entertain a thought. That I'm not believing for because I'm in alignment. What I think, what I say, and what I do. Now, I spent too much time on that. Let me back up so I can tie this thing together. Everybody with me? I back you up here. I want to back you up to what, what do you give to someone who has everything already? And I said the thing that God wants from you is partnership. It's partnership. That's the thing God wants. It's partnership. So if the thing God wants is partnership, here's what I want you to know. I told you that he is not, he's, imper- he's bound by his word. Stay with me. Thank God wants his partnership. He's bound by his word. So if the partnership is God's got heaven covered, you take care of the earth. Then the questions you're asking, here we go. I'm going to back up one more time so you follow me. God's got heaven covered. You got to take care of the earth. It's going to be done through partnership. We partner with God. So the questions you're asking, how long? Why? When you say, God, how long is this going to happen? Why is this happening? Why do you, God, why is this going on? The humanities questions. Why do I have to deal with this? How long are you going to let this happen? God, why do you keep doing this? When is this going to happen? He's got to be asking you. Um, Those questions are up to you. 
Because the earth belongs to you. If there is poverty in the earth, it's because you allowed it to live there. If there's sickness in the earth, it's because you allowed it to live there. It is not, it is not the job of God to run the earth. It is the job of man to partner with God that anything that does not exist in the heaven shouldn't exist in the earth. Does sickness live in heaven? No. So it is for man's thoughts. Here we go, tying it back together. Man's thoughts, man's words, and man's actions to align, to declare in the earth what God has already done in the heavens. When I begin to get into alignment with God, I can begin to say, this is what it's going to be, pimp. Hey, <laughs> This is what it's going to be. So my questions of why, how, and when are, are predicated on me. I can't take authority when I want, but then give God this. Listen to me. You can't have dominion when, it come, when it's convenient and blame God when it's not. You can't have dominion when you want to, but then when you don't want to, blame God. I don't know why God let this happen. No, why'd you let it happen? Here we go. Give me scripture, Marcus. We don't believe you. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The keys of, the keys of. You got access to a dimension in God. I'll give you keys to it. Listen, I will give you the ability to enter into a place with God, the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind, that's a blank check. He didn't even tell you what to bind because the earth belongs to you. Whatever you bind, that is God, that is heaven's blank check into the earth saying the, the earth belongs to you, bro. It's your crib. It's your house. You ain't got you don't have to ask me permission. If it aligns with what is already taking place in heaven, it's a blank check. The answer is already yes. Heaven has more than enough resources to back whatever you write the check for. Say it again. Say it again. Heaven has more than enough resources to pay for whatever you write the check for. If you're writing the check in your prayer for money, heaven has enough. But heaven's not going to give you money. It's going to give you an idea. It's going to give you people. If you're trying to write the check for healing, heaven has enough resources to pay for your healing. It is a blank check. Whatever you buy, here go your key. The key that you have is through your spirit to access God whenever you want. Through prayer, through your spirit, you can access the kingdom whenever you want. That is your key. And whatever you bind, blank check, you bind on earth. It's all yours. You run it. You do what you want with it. It is all yours. So the question of humanity is how long, why, and when. God got to be asking, you tell me. Don't ask me. You tell me how long will you allow it to live? How long will you allow yourself to wait? God, how long I got to wait? You tell me. You could have been there a long time ago. Click your heels and get there. Okay, move, Marcus, move. Are y'all getting something out of this? Oh, here we go. What prevents heaven from entering the earth? What prevents heaven from entering the earth? Come on, let's teach, let's teach. What prevents heaven from entering the earth? What's the thing that prevents it? What prevents heaven from entering the earth? Let's move. Here's the number one thing. Here's where you write notes, everybody. Here's where you write notes. What prevents heaven from entering the earth is spiritual competence. Spiritual competence. Now, here is a part. Y'all do me a favor. Make sure you don't miss Wednesday. I'm only going to give you two, two terms that I want to define for you for spiritual competence. On Wednesday, I'm going to give you three more, and I'm going to dig deeper on the two I give you today. So I'm going to say it again. Don't miss Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We do a virtual hangout on, via Zoom. If you don't have the Zoom link, make sure you connect with us on Facebook. Or you join the WhatsApp. Just search the Epic Nation. <coughs> okay? Let me take a sip of water. So I'm going to give you two spiritual competence. 
that allows you to operate. And right after that, I'm going to get into the text. I'm only going to give you two things in the text. And remember, I got time. I'm going to be on this series for a while. I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to be able to scratch the surface on this text today, but I'm going to touch two things in it. I'm going to just touch two things in it, and then Wednesday we'll deal with the rest. Spiritual confidence. Write notes on this, okay? Write notes. Right now, if you're watching online, the chat should be going nuts. You should be, you should be adding notes into the chat. Number one spiritual confidence is dominion. Now, when the Bible says, and let them have dominion, how do you define dominion? I hear people all the time, and here is, here is where Epic is at with it. We are going to redefine some of these terms because I think that it has been in church jargon too long. It's almost as if church has created a, a different language, and if we don't know what this stuff means, how can you live it out? How can you live it out? So here's the question. When you see dominion, and here you can see the definition right now on the screen, but most people, you ask them what is dominion, they'll say something like uh, authority, power. Okay, so those are, those are statements, authority and power and all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool, I can rock with that. But what does that look like in action? Here is what dominion is. Here's how we're going to define it. Dominion is your personal contribution in the earth to advance and extend the kingdom of God by gifts God has given you. Say it again. Dominion is your personal contribution in the earth. Remember, you are a partner with God. So if you're a partner with God, what is your personal individual contribution in the earth to advance the kingdom? What can you contribute? What are the things that you can contribute? Dominion. Here's how we define it. Your personal contribution in the earth to advance and extend the kingdom of, of, of kingdom of God by gifts God has given you. Whatever he gave you, you use it to, to, to contribute. If he gave me the gift of song, I contribute to the kingdom of God with the gift of song. If he gave whatever he gave me, I contribute. In the, by advancing the kingdom using the gift he's given me. Now, let me give you another term. Let me give you another term. Purpose. This is one we overlook. Oh, God. Okay. I got to go slow on this because somebody's going to look at me strange. Somebody's going to look at me strange. And trust me, Wednesday, 7 p.m., I'll unpack it more. It was when we talk about purpose. God's number one purpose or desire. God, it was never God's desire for you to live and work in heaven. It was never his desire. We all have the same purpose to destroy the works of the devil. When he talks about the high calling of Christ Jesus is to destroy the works of the devil. We all have the exact same purpose. That is all of our purpose to destroy the works of the enemy. Everybody agree. But it was never his desire to to for, for heaven to do nothing more than get you into heaven. Right. Like the idea of religious people is how do I get to heaven? Let's not go too deep with it. Let me give you this. Let me give you this briefly. Let me give you this briefly because I think I'll do you a disservice if I don't give you this and unpack it. All right. So if the number one purpose of God was to get you into heaven, why when we remember when we tapped the line, when we eavesdropped on heaven in Genesis chapter chapter one, verse 26 to 28, we eavesdropped. And the thing that we heard when we eavesdropped was let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth. So why create an earth and give man dominion over it if the ultimate goal was given to heaven? Adam sinned and lost dominion over the earth, giving, giving it over to the enemy, allowing Satan to have control over the space that God was supposed to extend his kingdom. Jesus then comes into the earth, 
does everything right and gives us back the authority. That's why I read Matthew chapter 16. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Because Jesus had now, Jesus is in the earth, but he now took the keys and gave them to us. For us to then continue again to have dominion in earth. So our purpose was to eliminate the works of the enemy. To now continue to partner with God in the earth. Okay, okay. I feel like a disconnect. Here we go. Let's do plain language. Let's do plain language. Instead of taking, making, it, making it this ethereal thought of God, let's make it plain. Here's plain language. All right. Let's do it like this. I bought a house. Gave it to my kids. My kids didn't pay the bills, didn't pay the taxes. My kids lost the house. I then go and buy the house again. This time, I, give, I give, the, give the deed to the kids and say, hey, listen, the taxes are paid for and the house. Don't worry about none of that. Just make sure that nobody comes in and buys the house again. This is what God did. The example, me with this example, the house is the earth. He bought the house, gave it to mankind. Man gave the house to Satan by, through sin. Je God then sent Jesus to buy the house again. And also gave us grace and the blood of Jesus to continue to make the payment on anything that would come up. Oh my God, that, I can't make it no more plain. When this happens now, I want you to see this. It is not the ultimate plan of God for you to do nothing more than live in the earth thinking about nothing but heaven. It is for you to then legislate and extend the kingdom of God in the earth. Now, I can't go any further other than this. Have you all heard? Type in the comments. When we start talking about what happens in the end, when Jesus returns, oh God, I'm trying not to overteach, but y'all just got to get this. Come here. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat at a high level. When Jesus returns to the earth, according to Revelations, when he returns for his bride, the church, do you realize that the Bible says that he will create a new heaven and a new earth in the book of Revelations, that he come back, a new heaven, new earth, We'll all be caught up with him, and then we will come right back down to a new heaven, a new earth, and we will reign for a period of thousands of years. So if the ultimate purpose of God was to get you to heaven, why on planet earth would the, the prophecy of what will happen when Jesus returns be to create a new heaven, a new earth, and get your behind right back down here? <laughs> right, right? It cannot be the plan of God then for you to live forever in heaven. It is for you to have authority in the earth. But the original plan must look like what it what was supposed to be before Adam relinquished his authority. Now, I'm going to unpack it more on Wednesday. That's all I can give you on that. I got to move. I hope I didn't confuse you. I got to move. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Now we get into the text. Now we get into the text. Yeah, I got 10 minutes on the text and we out of here. Okay. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. All right. All right. Let me give you context so you can respect the content. Check this out. It's the last seven days before Jesus is about to die. So it's, the, it's his last seven days before he enters into a village. Let's go get old gospel because I've overtaught you. Now it's time for us to come up from air. Let's take a deep breath and let's go practical. Let's go practical. All right. So here we go. Jesus is about to go into this town because he knows that he's about to die. He now tells two of his disciples, yo, do me a favor, bro. Hey, check this out. 
Y'all go over there to the village. Like, go to, let's name the city. Let's, like, let, y'all go to the south side. Right over there. You remember Miss Shirley, the spot she got right beside Churchy's Chicken. If you ride down MLK, make a ride on MLK, right beside that, you're going to see a house. When you get to the crib, right, you're going to see a car sitting outside. When you see the whip, the keys are going to be right there beside it. So grab the keys, grab the car, and do one more favor. Grab the thing that's sitting beside it. If somebody come outside and see you grabbing the car, just tell them, yo, Jesus needed. <laughs> Are y'all following this? This is what he's telling them in the text. It's like, yo, this is crazy. This is crazy. Like, how do you tell two people to go into a city and to now go and take from someone something they invested their money into? Jesus tell the disciples, yo, not all of them, two of them. Hey, go into the village. Hey, go into that city. Go over there. Go to that house. As soon as you enter it, he gives them descriptions. As soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with his coat beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. Jesus is telling his two disciples to go get something from someone else that don't belong to them. Could you imagine being told, go to a city and go take something from somebody else without a conversation? Could you imagine being them two disciples? Okay, got got it, Jesus. Hey, real quick, so now let's go back to ghetto gospel translation. Go to Miss Shirley House. Go go to the south side. Go down MLK. Make a right on MLK. Go to that blue house on the left. When I see the blue house, just go take the car. Yeah, yeah, take the car. And when and if somebody asks you why you taking it, like yo, what are you doing with my car? Just tell them Jesus needs it. Okay, okay. Maybe y'all more saved than I. Nah, I am. Maybe y'all more saved than I am. Maybe y'all ain't getting it. He telling me to go steal from somebody. <laughs> like, oh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. So, uh, my question would be, Jesus, you said, if they ask me, tell them you need it. it you, if you prophesy, are they going to ask me? Am I going to get caught? Like, just give me all the details. Okay, so, I'm going to go to the village. Are they going to stop me or like, are they cool? Like, do buddy got a gun? Like, is he going to come out? Like, shot? is he going to shoot me? Like, no, be for real. Like, Jesus, uh, straight up. So, will I have to fight? Is Are they going to give it to me leisurely? Like, what's going to be the scenario? Like, how this going to work out? I just want to know if I'm going to have to fight or not. Like, tell me straight up. Like, is it going to, like, say what now? Here's what, here's what I got to get you. It's two, thing, two points I got to make for you on this. It's two points I got to make for you on this, right? Number one point is. Everything God tells you to go and get will not always happen freely. When the Bible says, uh, I will cause men to give to your bosom, some men will give to you freely and some men will give to you forcefully. It is not saying that everything that you get from everything that God prophesies that you'll get in your life will not always come freely. Some things will come by force. He don't always tell you which is which. You got to be prepared anytime you hear a word from God. Some things, even if it's prophesied over my life, I receive freely. Some things I receive by force. He don't always tell me the details. He just tells me, go and get what's mine. He don't always tell me how to get it. He just tell me, go and get it. Listen to me, Epic Nation. Here's what I need you to know. There are some cities, some places, some towns, some people, some resources that belong to us. He didn't tell us whether we're going to get it freely or by force, but he told me go get what's mine. I don't know who's in Fort Lauderdale that belong to us, but all I know is whether they coming freely or by force, they coming. 
I don't know if it's Atlanta. I don't know if it's Charlotte. I don't know if it's New York. But there are people that are supposed to be partners of the Epic Nation. And I don't know if they are tied up, bound to religion, bound to a system, bound to lazy loyalty to a ministry that no longer feeds them. I don't know if they're coming freely or coming by force, but they're coming. In your life, I want to say to you, there is money that is tied up, bound up. Somebody else is babysitting your blessing. Say it again, Marcus. Let me back it up. Press wine. Somebody is babysitting your blessing. They don't know what to do with it. They're not using it correctly. Somebody is in a, in a relationship and they don't value a person that is, is descriptively the exact person you're praying to God for. They are babysitting your blessing, but don't value it. They, they are treating it like the man is treating the donkey. Tied up, never been used. That it is tied up and the purpose of a donkey is to be a beast of burden. A, a donkey is supposed to be used as a valuable commodity in Jewish culture to carry a burden, to carry a person or to carry things. It will be equivalent to a car. It is the transportation system of a person who had a business. If he is trying to transport anything of value with his gold, silver, hay from one region to another, he would use a donkey. This donkey is tied up, never being used. It's like a person who buys a, a you ever meet somebody who got an iPad and you're like, well, here, the person like, well, I never even use it. They got something that you, you think is valuable. You ever bought a car and it was like, or saw a car that was like a 2013, but only had 6,000 miles. And the person like, yeah, I never even drove it. They got what you praying for, but they don't value it. It's just tied up. Somebody's babysitting your blessing because God wanted them to hold on to it long enough. Until you get ready to go and get it. And, say, and now here, here it is. Until you get ready to go get it. But he didn't tell you whether you're going to get it freely or by force. Just go get it. Oh my God. And when you get there to get it. I need you to tell them. Which is my subject. God's got to have it. <laughs> oh, this, this, When you get there. If they come out and ask you why you're taking it. Tell them God's got to have it. <laughs> that God needs me to have it. The thing that I want. God needs me to have that. Like he needs, he, I, I really believe, I believe God needs me to have money. I, I, I just think because I'm such a giver that he needs me to have it. Money for, money for me is not something that I need to flodge. It is not something that I need for the upper echelon of life to, to with great poupon and expensive things and cars. I think he needs me to have it for influence and to be a blessing to other people. So if somebody's holding on to my money, I need, I, come here. If somebody's holding on to my money, either by force or freely, I need you to let them know God needs me to have it. <laughs> I need you to tell, I need you to do me a favor. Whatever you don't have in your life, I want you to go on a scavenger hunt to figure out where is it at in the world and begin to demand and command that it comes into your life because God needs you to have it. Oh, but back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. I'm in verse two. I'm in verse two. I'm only in verse two. I'm only in verse two. Elaine, Elaine, catch this. Krisha, catch this. Delmi, catch this. Oh man, my people, my people. Catch this, catch this, catch this. I need y'all to catch this. I need y'all to catch this. Michelle, catch this. Verse two. Verse two, he says, go into the village. That, that's powerful. You see I, the purposeful inflection. Go into the village. Go into the village. I need y'all to read this. Physical growth is a function of time. Intellectual growth is a function of learning. 
Spiritual growth is neither a function of time or learning, but is a function of obedience. Ho, ho, ho. Follow this. Physical growth is a function of time. I gr- Intellectual growth is a function of learning. Spiritual growth is neither a function of time or learning, but is a function of obedience. Follow this now. When he tells me in verse two, go into the village. This is not a function. Of, this is not a function of time. This is not just, oh, if God wants me to have it, eventually it'll come. This is not my intellectual learning and growing. It is me growing spiritually by obedience. It is understanding that God told me to go and do something. And, my, and, the, and I will know how mature I am by my ability to, to walk from where I am to go into a place with limited understanding and go get what's mine. Go When you get there, tell them. The Lord has need of it. Oh, let's end here. Let's end here. Verse three. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs them. The Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. Do y'all see that Jesus is saying, if I command you to go somewhere and go get something, either freely or by force, anything that opposes you, anything that would hold you back or stop you, The only way for you to get it to release is for you to say, the Lord needs it. Like he's got to have it. That I'm partnered with him. He's got to have that person. He's got to have that soul. He's got to have that mind. He's got to have that person who's been on the brinks. He got to have that person who felt lost, who felt disconnected, who felt like nobody understands them. He's got to have that person who knows they're prophetic, who knows there's a call in their life, but feel like they never fit in. He's got to have that person who feels like, man, for the first time ever, I can finally understand the Bible. Okay, perfect. Marcus, you got to have that person. And I'm saying for your life, if there is something that has been held up, blocked, stopped, prevented, I, I, need, you to, I need you to start commanding. I need you to start decreeing. God needs it. Like, what is the thing in your life that you know without a shadow of a doubt that God needs you to have it? That's why I titled this message, He's Gotta Have It. Because if I'm in partnership with Him, everything in my life belongs to Him. So He's gotta have it. He's gotta, He's gotta have me to have it. He's got if there are things, there are people, there are places that has to be had. There are, I mean, let, AKA, he's got to have it. He's got to have it. Now, let, let me end here, end here, end here, because I've gone way too long. And y'all were supposed to tell me a long time ago my time was up. Y'all were supposed to tell me, yo, bro, you're going too long. You're going too long. Your time is up. Join me on Wednesday night. Join me on Wednesday night. Before I end, here's what I'm tripping up. Do y'all want to know when I was reading the text what came to mind? Do y'all want to know like the thing that stood out to me, like the thing that I was processing that distracted me and drew my attention? Do y'all want to know like it wasn't just to just to tell him I need it. He's got to have it. It wasn't just that. Do y'all want to know like the thing that jumped off that was like a good movie? Like, oh my God, now I get it. Do y'all, do y'all want to know like the thing that drew my attention, captured my attention? Do y'all, do y'all, do y'all want to know that thing that, that was pointed out to me? Do y'all want to know that? Here's what drew my attention. What drew my attention in the text, and excuse me if I'm disrespectful in this, know that I love Jesus with all my heart and soul, but it wasn't Jesus that drew my attention. Although it was the last seven days that he would make his triumphant entry into the village and into the town, and although this is the last time that they would see him and sing praises to them and proclaim Hosanna, although 
This is the last time that he is to enter in. Like this is this these are Jesus' last seven days of his life. I should be focused on that. It was not that that drew my attention. It wasn't. I, I should have been focused on it, but I, I I looked away. And it's three things that I saw in the text that reminded me of me and you. And although the, Jesus is the central figure of it, it was not Jesus that had my attention. It was a few things that I recognize in the text that was extremely powerful. Three main characters. The number one thing I saw, let's get into it. The disciples, the owner of the donkey and the donkey. Like those were the three things that had me like, they had me stuck. The disciples, the owner of the donkey and the donkey. The disciples had me tripping because their ability, I started thinking about, and I got a, a vivid imagination. What was their conversation like when they were leaving from Jesus and walking to go and, and go and steal somebody's belongings. It's only two of them. The Bible says he told two of them to go get, yo, bro, so what What, what you think Jesus tripping on? Like, you think, man, you think buddy gonna have a sword or something when we get there? I don't know, man. Jesus crazy, man. Like, I don't I mean, everything he ever told us happened. Like, I started thinking about what was their conversation like to build their faith to a point. Like, let me just tell you what I thought. Let me tell you how the conversation went down in my head. It's okay if I just use sanctified imagination. So I'm going to make up two names. I'm going to call them John. I'm going to say it was John and Peter. Although the text don't tell me, I'm just say John and Peter. So let's say John, talk, I'm going to call him J and P. So John, we call him J. Peter, we're going to call him P. Yo, P, what do you think Jesus is tripping on, man? He's talking about go, go to this man's house and take take the man's car. And if the man come out and say, what we doing? Say he have need of Yo, bro, I don't know what's going on. I just know, man, Jesus ain't never been wrong. I don't want to go over there. And he talking about, yeah, a little faith. You know how he get down whenever he start going off on us, bro. Let's just walk over there and go get it. Man, so what What you going to say? Like, should I talk or you going to talk? Like, how's it going to go? Should you, like, Peter, you want to say it? Like, Jay, P, what, I mean, how you want to do it? Jay, you want to be the one to talk? P, you want to be the talk? I'll, I'll be the spokesman. So, like, do this. You grab the car. And I'll be the one that if he stops us, I'll talk to him. Because if he try to fight, I'll jump in the car with you. And we'll pew, we speed off, right? Like, that's how we'll do it. That's how we'll do it. So, so what are you going to say? If he stop us, I'm going to just tell him, Jesus got to have it. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. That'll work. That'll work. That'll work. So, we'll do it that way. We'll do it that way. So, all right. So, man, I'm getting nervous, bro. We're getting closer. Man, is this, is this, is this the street he told us? Okay, that's the village. Okay, cool. That's the village. Bro, it's it's a donkey, right? That, that that's it, right there. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. All right, bro, this is it. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Now, here's what I want you to do: stop thinking about the donkey, and start thinking about your promise, and start thinking about your internal conversation with yourself. And as you get closer to the thing that you want, that God's gotta have, think about the conversation that you would have with yourself. God, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to the age you told me. I'm getting closer to the thing. I can feel it in my heart. I'm supposed to have it. I wouldn't be this frustrated. I wouldn't be this mad. I wouldn't be this sad if I wasn't supposed to have it. You told me I'm supposed to have it. So, okay, okay. So what am I going to say? What am I going to say when I start the business? What am I going to say when I launch the program? What am I going to say when money starts coming? What am I going to say to clients who second guess should I be doing this? What am I going to say when I get discouraged? What am I going to say to family members and say, what is this new little thing you're doing? Well, I got to be little though. What am, what are you, what am I going to say? I'm going to just say, I, God has got to have it. <laughs> hey, what are you going to say with, with, with Epic Nation blowing up all over the world? What, like, what, what are you going to say when you get closer to it? Okay, I'm getting closer. 
they're going to ask me something and I got to be able to answer it. Somebody might stop me and ask me for money that I, I might not have. Somebody might stop me and ask me for something I don't have the answer to. I'm going to just tell them God's got to have it. That's what I was tripping on with the disciples. But then I started thinking about something. The owner of the donkey. The owner. Give me Y'all give me three minutes. Let me unpack this thing. The owner of the donkey. The owner of the donkey. The owner had me tripping because... In order for this donk, in order for the donkey to qualify for God to have it and for God to use it, like follow me, please don't look. Come here, come here, come here. Wherever you're watching this, do not get distracted right now. Get this point. If you're listening to it on a podcast, if if you're watching it on on the screen, if you're in person, wherever you are, do not miss this. Do not miss this. Come here. Think about the owner of the donkey. In order for the donkey to qualify to fulfill prophecy. It must meet certain qualifications. It must be healthy. It must be full grown. It must have the ability to bear the burden and the weight of the Messiah. I don't know how heavy Jesus is, how tall he is, but that donkey better be strong enough to handle and to carry the weight of the weight of Christ. Let's go deeper. The donkey represents the ability to handle and to carry the weight of of a move of God. The owner had to now feed this donkey to, to the specifications to be healthy enough and strong enough to bear the weight of a move of God. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. How many people would invest into something that they have never used? Because the other qualification is the donkey has to have never have been ridden. In order for it to fulfill the prophecy of Old Testament, the donkey that Jesus must ride on must be a donkey that someone made an investment into something that they have never used. Why would this man invest money all of the, the life of the donkey, feeding it, bathing it, washing it, caring for it, but never using it? Could it be possible that the owner had discerned a moment that in his heart he knew this is something I need to set aside for God? Oh, I'm tripping on the owner. Could Now, which are you? Are you the disciples who have to go in and take by force or freely receive something that God's got to have? Are you the owner who your job is to have resources to care for something, but to set it aside for God to say, I just feel like I'm not supposed to keep this for myself. I just got a feeling like I like this, but I just feel like I bought this for somebody else. I like this, but I just feel like God made me get this to give it to somebody else. I could use this money, but I just feel like this money belongs to this. I like I, no, no, no. I one hundred percent. I will want my thousand. I will want my one hundred. I will want my five hundred. But I really feel like I'm supposed to give this away. The owner of the donkey gets the opportunity to spend its entire life investing into something for the sole purpose of giving it away. Do you realize that Jesus said, if he asks you, tell him the master have need of it and he'll let it go, which means he knew the heart of the person who owned the donkey. Oh, Jesus, help me. Could, it, could God send somebody to you and know your heart to release it? Are you the owner of the donkey that, God, that Jesus could testify? All you got to say to him is Jesus needs it and they'll let it go. Is there anybody who's got a heart so sensitive to God that all it takes is a word from God and you'll let whatever you're holding on to go? 
If you know he's got to have it, will you release it? If you know he's got to have it, will you release it? Say it again. If you know he's got to have it, will you release it? Jesus knew the heart of the, of the owner and says, if he asks any question at all, what in your life are you holding on to so dearly that you will not partner with God to release it? And last but not least is the donkey. The donkey. God, help, help us to have a heart to be like the owner of the donkey. To discern what do we have in our life that is not for us but for somebody else. What blessing do we have that we, we are babysitting that is not for us, that God gave it to us to give to somebody else? Last but not least, and I'm out of here. I'm out of here. The donkey. Could you imagine the feeling of the donkey? To spend your entire life never being used, wondering what is my purpose in life? Now take it out of the context of the donkey. Because I told you there are three people and there are people listening to this message that you identify with one of the three. With the disciples that God told you to go and do something that makes no sense and seems challenging. That you are the owner who God knows your heart and has blessed you with something that you're supposed to care for for the purpose of giving it away. And last but not least, the characteristics of the donkey to spend your whole life feeling as if you, you have never lived up to your purpose. Why, why, why is the owner using all the other donkeys except me? Why everybody else getting married except me? Why everybody else going and living it up, got enough money? Why every other entrepreneur winning, but it seems like my business is struggling? Why does it seem like I'm always the one giving, but never receiving? I'm tied to something. I feel underused, underserved. Why nobody gets me? Why nobody understands me? I feel like the donkey. I'm tied up, not in the house with everything else, but I'm outside by myself feeling as if nobody loves me, feeling like nobody wants me. Why do I feel overlooked? Somebody else could do this and everybody praised them. I do and it's like nobody recognizes it. I know that I'm gifted. I know that if I had an opportunity to shine, the whole world would love me. But it's like, God, it's like you hiding me. God is like, why can't nobody really see me? How could I be this? How could I have all these things but don't have the ability to share it? God, I, I know if, if I just had the opportunity, I, I know I'll take it. God, I, oh, I'd kill it if you gave me the opportunity. If you just gave me that money. God, why would you let me financially struggle when you know my heart to give? Like, why are you letting me go through this? I'm why you let, got me tied to debt? Why you got me tied to a relationship? Why you got me tied to family members that they don't never have nothing positive to say about me? They love their, all my other siblings, but it's like when it comes to me, I'm, I'm tied to a family that don't love me the way they should love me. I'm tied to people. I'm tied to friends that always backstab me. God, I feel like this donkey. Oh, but look at what Jesus said. I cannot, with my last seven days on the earth, I cannot go to the cross unless I send somebody to go untie them. Before I even get to the cross to untie humanity from, the, from being bound to sin, I got to first untie that donkey. I'm going to untie humanity on the cross. But before I untie humanity on the cross, let me untie that donkey. Come here, disciples. Take the walk into the village. Go find the owner whose heart I touch and tell him, I cannot fulfill my purpose unless I partner in the earth with the donkey. <laughs> I'm back in partnership that I started at, at the beginning. And I'm telling you that a move of God is coming into the earth. And God cannot enter into where he wants to be until he partners with you who's been tied up. 
if you feel like you've been that donkey, overlooked, tied up, bound up, you feel as if nobody knows you, nobody gets you, you feel like you never had enough, you never had an opportunity, you have never, you've never had the chance to be what you want to be, do what you want to do. Jesus has sent word and said, he's got to have it. He's got to have it. The thing he placed in your heart, you want it because he wants you to have it. And he says, he's got to have it. He's going to give it to you, but it's for you to partner with him to give it back to him. He's got to have it. The gifts in your heart, your spiritual ability, your heart to love on people, your consideration, your concern, your giftings, your talents. God's got to have it. Let me pray with you. I'm done. Father, this word is for your people. I know without a shadow of doubt, we, this is only the beginning. You told me don't stop preaching this message until it manifests in their life. This is the beginning of a revival in their life. This, this is not even a sermon. This is a prophecy to their future. This is a prophecy that speaks to that little girl in them, that little boy that unleashes from them, unlocks the portals of heaven that releases blessings from the north, south, east, and west. New dimensions, new environments, new opportunities. I speak to lack and tell it now be that every blessing be released now in Jesus' name. This is not just another sermon. This is a prophecy to our future. We decree and declare that everything in our life is now blessed. We are coming out of hiding. God, I, I speak to... Hey, what's up, family? This is PM is what they call me. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. More than anything, let's not even call it a podcast. Let's call it what it is, a message. Man, it's been a blessing to not just hear what, it do what it's done for other people's life, but even sharing it. I don't want you to get it twisted. I eat my own food. You know, it's nothing worse than a chef who cooks and cooks for everyone else and dies of starvation. So whatever I share, it's something that I'm currently eating on and it's been a blessing. So do me a favor. You can partner with us in three ways. Anything that blesses you, it, it is just downright wrong to not contribute to it. So do this for me. I want you to do, do one of three things. Tell somebody about the Epic Nation and the Epic Nation podcast. That's the first thing. Just as simple as helping us get the word out. We want to touch and be a blessing to as many people as possible. So ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. Share, why don't you? Number two thing I want you to do. If this has fed you in any way, you wouldn't even go to a restaurant and leave and not leave a dollar tip. So I would ask that you help us continue to do God-centered, kingdom-relevant ministry by donating via Cash App. Whatever that is, and no amount is too small or too big. Listen, we're doing this off the muscle. We don't have any benefactors, no denominations. So everything you give helps us to do ministry around the world. And last but not least... Social media is a powerful tool and, and in some ways worth more than money. So why don't you screenshot this actual podcast and share it out with other people and tell them they got to check it out. So those are the three ways you can partner with us. And last but not least, if your prayer, prayer life is on point, I would ask that you partner with us in prayer. If it's, eh, I'm trying to get it together. Just say Jesus do something for them. I'm joking, but serious. All right. All right. I hope y'all have a phenomenal day. I hope this message encourages you. This is not one to listen to one time, but it was so much in it that I hope you go back and take notes, pause it, rewind it, fast forward, share it with a friend. Until then, we are epic.